Welcome to the Rush Hour Podcast. Sit back and relax or hop on the treadmill for the next hour as we talk Saskatchewan Rush Lacrosse. Every month, Jake Elliott will talk with Saskatchewan players, coaches, executive and team personnel about all things Rush Lacrosse. And now, the host of the Rush Hour Podcast, Jake Elliott. Hey, what's going on, lacrosse fans and Rush Nation alike? The voice you just heard was Dave Thomas. Uh, Thanks to DT for doing up the intro for me. And my name, my voice is Jake Elliott. I am your color commentary for the Saskatchewan Rush. And welcome to Rush Hour, Episode 2. It's uh, been about 26 days since we talked last year on Rush Hour. How do I know? Well, I just looked it up, and that's what it said on SoundCloud. That it's been 26 days since I posted that up there. So uh, I'm back. It's been a month, and a lot has happened in the last four weeks for the Saskatchewan Rush. And we're going to talk about it all right here on Daytona Homes Rush Hour. Uh, a couple of great guests will join us here on the podcast as well as one of my favorites, the mailman, Mark Matthews, will stop by. And we'll catch up with him as he leads the rush in scoring once again. No surprise there for number 42. And then the captain, Chris Corbeil, uh, will join us back from Ontario later on in the podcast as well as uh, the captain unable to play last game. We'll see what his status is heading into a big Friday night matchup against Colorado, which we will obviously talk about as well uh, here on Daytona Homes Rush Hour. So thanks for joining us. Settle in. Uh, We'll keep you busy for the next hour or so. Why don't uh, we go back? And it's uh, we have to go a ways back for it. uh, All the way to Georgia back on January the 27th. That is uh, when we left you last. So Saskatchewan at that point was coming off a victory over the Rochester Nighthawks. Maybe their best performance of the year. 12-7 in that one. And that was the mark of the three-game win streak. Uh, things were about to change, however, for Saskatchewan as they headed down south to Georgia and a place that they've always kind of struggled in, and those struggles continued for the rush as they dropped this one 13-10 to the Swarm in what was really just kind of a weird game for Saskatchewan. A 6-1 first quarter for the Swarm, and I'm not sure I've ever seen the rush play worse than they did in that opening quarter they're actually a better team for the remaining three quarters of that game but that first quarter did them in 6-1 and it was a a game where I mean they literally were dropping like flip passes at center turnovers galore they couldn't get the offense going um, and it just it was not pretty in that opening 15 minutes and it cost them uh, because they go on to lose that one 13 to 10 so um, but we don't want to dwell on it. it. It's it's just one of those things. Like uh, we, We're just coming off a weekend where I found out that Georgia has actually never won in Denver, and it kind of seems like Saskatchewan has had a real issue winning down in Georgia, a place that they don't have to go very often. But uh, we'll, we'll kind of leave that one alone and as they make the turn. And a home game for a lot of the Rush players and coaches alike uh, was on deck for them. And a team that we weren't really sure where they as good as their record indicates. And it turns out, as we know, a month later from now, Toronto has won six in a row. Uh, they sit at the top of the Eastern standings. They are the best team in the National Lacrosse League right now. Seven and one overall record. So coming off a loss to Georgia, Saskatchewan would go into Toronto and the Rock would hang 16 goals on them and go away winning this one 16-13 over Saskatchewan, and it was a high-scoring first quarter, but it was the second quarter this time that kind of sealed the fate of the rush. 5-2 Toronto in that second quarter, and that was enough. A big night from Adam Jones, the former rush player, 4-4 four four for him. Decent nights for Ben McIntosh and Mark Matthews, but 16 goals, just too much to give up, especially to a team like Toronto, and that was going to be a tough game to win. So back-to-back games against Eastern Division teams, back-to-back losses for Saskatchewan. First time they've lost two in a row in quite some time. I want to say the 2017 season, so it's been a while. Um, So 
there was no real concern quite yet. Those are two very good teams in Georgia and Toronto, uh, both road games, and turned out to be both losses for Saskatchewan. So they would return home, and it would be the first installment of the Battle of the Prairies with Calgary coming to Saskatchewan in a place that they had never won before since the rush arrived in Saskatoon. I think uh, 16-1 and one over the last 17 games were the rush over the Roughnecks, and that was kind of a precarious position to be in for Saskatchewan because coming off of two losses, you knew sooner or later the bubble was going to burst on that kind of dominance that the rush have had since coming to Saskatchewan over Calgary and it it happened it finally happened Calgary beats Saskatchewan on their home floor 17 to 12 and it's just kind of a wacky game where Saskatchewan their their starts their first halves have kind of been their issue over the last couple well they got out to a great start in this one uh, jumped out to a 5-1 lead over the Roughnecks but a well-timed timeout by Coach Kermolowski of Calgary kind of settled down the Roughnecks goaltending and defense, and then they started to chip away and would eventually tie the game up at 7 going into halftime. And I should mention that Saskatchewan in the previous two games did not have a power play opportunity. They have the best man advantage in the National Lacrosse League, but... It's a little misleading because they just haven't had the kind of opportunities that other teams have had. But when they've had them, uh, they've sure been burying the ball. But uh, maybe that's been a little bit of the issue through this three-game losing streak is that Saskatchewan just wasn't really generating enough offense to draw penalties, uh, weren't getting to the areas that they need to get to in order to draw penalties. And it's not like they weren't putting up enough goals I mean 10 13 12 yeah kind of right around where you need to win games but giving up 13 16 17 has been more of the issue than the offense has uh we'll get to what happened in the next game as uh there was some changes to the back end for the rush but that Calgary game you go back to it at halftime 7-7 and then the Roughnecks come storming out of the gates in the third quarter and just kind of pulled away from Saskatchewan, and the Rush were never able to recover. 17-12, the final in that one. And that marked the third loss in a row for the Rush, which was the first time that's happened since 2013, since Mark Matthews, who we'll talk to here momentarily coming up, joined the team. So this was uh, this was a little concerning now. You know, after two losses, you think, okay, not a big deal. Uh, they'll bounce back at home. They'll beat a team that they always beat. Uh, wasn't the case. Uh, give full marks to the Roughnecks. They came to play and beat Saskatchewan 17-12. to So after losing their opener, lose three in a row, or excuse me, they win three in a row, uh, which we talked about on the last Daytona Homes Rush Hour. Now they've lost three in a row and have to head back out onto the road and will go to Vancouver. This happening a week ago. Um, just over a week ago, as they take on the Warriors for the first time this year. So lots of interesting storylines going into this one, as Vancouver was coming off maybe their most impressive win as the Warriors, as they beat the San Diego Seals 14-6 to uh, down in SoCal to get their third win of the year. So Vancouver was feeling pretty good about themselves. Three and six. They'd won two other last three. Saskatchewan was three and four now. Uh, losers of their last three. And this was a really entertaining lacrosse game. But before we get to that, it was kind of a different shoot around in Vancouver in the morning as I made my way downtown uh, from my dwelling out in the suburbs and uh, kind of got. Got down to Rogers Arena as the team was coming out onto the turf, and uh, I was kind of looking around like, oh, what's going on here? It kind of feels a little... And kind of trickled out that Adam Shute was going to get the starting goal for Saskatchewan that night, and um, I didn't mind the decision from Derek Hina. I thought, okay, you know, uh, Kirky hasn't been at his best. Maybe it's time to give him, give him a night off, let him kind of watch from the bench and maybe refocus a little bit, give Adam Shute uh, a start where... He's won his only career start that he's had against the team that he was about to play, and 
Um, so I thought, okay, Adam Shute's going to start, and he looked really good in shoot-around. And then news kind of came down late around the end of shoot-around that Chris Corbeil was not going to be able to go that night due to a, a bit of a dinged-up upper body and nothing serious for the captain. We'll talk to him about that coming up here on Rush Hour as well. But uh, Chris Corbeil unable to go, so then the coaches kind of huddled up and they decided, well, what are we going to do here? Who do we want to put in his place? And they decided to move Curtis Knight uh, from the back, from the front end back to the back gate and then insert Connor Robinson. So all these changes coming in, Adam Shute was going to start for Kirk, Connor Robinson was going to draw into the lineup, Curtis Knight was going to move back and play defense, and Corbeil was going to be out. And, uh, you know, that's not the way you want to go into a big road game after losing three without your captain. And what you have to say is their backup goaltender at this point uh, going into a game where uh, – the, the home team's feeling pretty good. But uh, with all that being said, uh, Vancouver comes out, and, and it was a back-and-forth affair, I think another 7-7 tie at halftime between the two as they kind of exchange leads a couple of times. And I would say there was maybe a shaky goal kind of or two on both goaltenders, Eric Penny uh, getting the start for Vancouver. But 7-7 at halftime, and uh, the rush come out well in the third quarter and kind of took this game over a little bit uh, late, I would say, and, and a big uh, goal from Jeff Shatler late in the game with about a buck fifty to go, uh, puts them out ahead, and then Mike Messenger uh, with a turnover in his own zone. Kyle Rubish out ahead. I'm sure Mess is going to get dinged in court uh, on this one coming up here on Friday as he looked off the alternate captain, Kyle Rubish, who was up ahead of the play with an empty net. And Messenger said, no, no, I'm going to take this one myself, which, you know, probably better if you can run it yourself instead of a threat of dropping a pass or something bad happening, decide to take it himself. So I'm just kind of giving Mess the gears. It was probably the right move to make. Uh, Takes it down the floor and puts in... Goal number 15 for Saskatchewan as they beat the Warriors for the first time this year, or second time this year, excuse me. I think I might have messed that up earlier as they won 14-10 earlier in the year. So I'll correct myself on the fly here now that I'm staring at uh, the scoreboard here. 14-10 for Saskatchewan earlier in the year over Vancouver and 15-13 in this one. Uh, for their second matchup as they'll get the Warriors at home a little later on in the season as well for their third game. But season series will go to Saskatchewan. Um, So that was good. They get back on the winning track and get to head home to Sastel Center to take on the Colorado Mammoth this Friday, which we will talk about a little later in the podcast. But now we got to get to break. Because on the other side, we got number 42 for your Saskatchewan Rush. The man I like to call the mailman. It's Mark Matthews right here on Daytona Homes Rush Hour. Stay tuned. All right, welcome back to the Rush Hour podcast brought to you by Daytona Homes. It's Jake Elliott with you and now joined... By Mark Matthews, uh, who is on the 401, maybe, or the four, I don't know what it was. It the 405 back there in Ontario, Mark? What? Uh, welcome to the podcast, by the way. Uh, drive safely <laughs> while we chat here. No problem. Yeah, I'm on the uh, the 401 here, sitting in rush hour traffic in Toronto. It's great. Well, it's perfect because uh, you're in rush hour traffic and you're on the rush yep. hour podcast, so it, it's good. all it's all come together. Uh, you sound good on your car phone. Uh, maybe I'm going to ask you that first. What kind of whip are you you're rolling around there in snowy Toronto? Um, I have a Ford F150 truck. Beauty, beauty. I know uh, you're just getting back from from Boston. Uh, you, you spent a couple of days there earlier in the week, but uh, let's go back a couple of days before that to your time here in Vancouver and uh, finally kind of get off the Schneid mark. Uh, the team does that. Is you've been clicking along pretty good, but fifteen uh, thirteen over the Warriors. Good to get back into the win column. I take it. Absolutely, it was uh, absolutely crucial that we. Uh, yeah, we snuck one out there, and and now we're uh, we're just looking to you know get back on track here and, and 
put a few string a few wins together here. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's something that this team has not really been used to, and I don't think since your time joining the rush, even back to 2013 in Edmonton, had you guys lost three in a row. So, what was it? What was it like for you guys to be in that locker room and kind of experience a little adversity and something that a lot of you guys have haven't experienced before? Yeah, I mean, yeah, like you said, I don't know if I've ever lost that many games in a row. Uh, you know, it. we said it all, like, for those three weeks, too. Like, we're right, we were right there, and, you know, it could go our way. And, you know, that's one thing to look at. We weren't getting blown out, and we weren't playing, like, garbage. It was, you know, a few things here and there, a couple bounces, a couple calls that could have gone our way. And, you know, if we uh, shoot better a little bit as an offense, then, uh, you know, we probably are, uh, you know, we're on a bit of a roll here, but... Uh, you know, can't happen like that all the time. And you know, like you said, the adversity, uh, you know, hopefully it'll uh, help us out and, and put us on a bit of a run here. Yeah, sometimes something like that can, can make you even stronger and even tighter as a group uh, to go through something like that. And after eight games, you're kind of right on, on pace, Mark. Uh, eight, 18 goals, 29 assists, 47 points. Uh, you've you've eclipsed 100 each of your last four years. I want to go back to 13 and 14, though, uh, when you kind of broke into the league. I mean, you're, you, you've always put up a lot of goals, but your assist totals since uh, 2015 have almost doubled each year uh, since that 13 and 14 campaign. What do you what do you think's been the biggest difference? Is it the players around you, or have you matured as a player, or have you know guys started to take uh, away your shot a little bit, and you've had to start looking around a little bit more? Uh, I mean, I'm probably some of everything you said there. Uh, my first year was kind of, I mean, everybody's first year. You look at uh, a lot of the higher picks and, I mean, even some of the guys that play on some better teams that, you know, their first couple of years, they, you know, you, everyone kind of takes you lightly, I think. And, you know, when you can put up 30 or 40 and then everyone's kind of like, all right, well, maybe we shouldn't allow this to happen. And, you know, kind of, you know, our offense is generated around moving the ball. And um, I'm sure you've seen enough games to know that I have the ball on my stick quite a lot. So, when I throw a ball to, you know, you know, generally our right side is who's benefiting from my passes. It's uh, a pretty decent, in my opinion, uh, right side to be thrown to. And, you know, guys like Robert and, and Ben and who score at such a, a high rate that, you know, they're uh, they're easy targets. And, and guys like Marty and Niter who are always open in the middle, it's, you know, you're uh, – it's on me to find them and then on our left side to find those guys and you know we uh, we tend to do that a lot yeah i i, I want to talk about that mark because i don't know if everybody that's probably listening to this podcast or or whoever may be listening may know but it kind of the the connection between you marty church ben Knight. I mean, your connection with Knight goes back even further than that. But for you, Benny, Church, and Marty, you guys all played on the 2010 Coquitlam Junior Adnex, a Minto Cup championship team. I mean, what? <laughs> that might be the best starting five I've ever seen in junior, but that's really kind of care. It's crazy to think that all you guys spent a year in junior together would all end up on the same pro team together. How big of an asset or benefit is that having played with those guys for that long and, and knowing each other so well? Yeah, obviously. I mean, going into that Coquitlam team, obviously not playing with those guys, you know, for minor and whatever else. I mean, Churchy, Ben and Marty have, um, I'm pretty sure they've played together since they may maybe even have picked up a stick. Yeah, so. you're right. You're yeah. right. Yeah. To fit in to fit in with those guys in junior and having Mouse as a coach was you know, was very was very great and, and having uh you know, the coaching that we did and, and knowing those guys how they play right at like for one year there and then, you know, two years later being uh being a pro with, you know, a couple of them and then having Marty come in a few years ago and you know, in my opinion, Marty's got probably the most underrated player in, in the NLL's history, I would think. He might he, be uh, up there, does, yeah. He does so much for uh, for our, our our offense, and and you know if we could get him the ball a bit more, I mean I I'm sure he would have uh, uh, some more points than he does. But you know I'm sure if you ask Benny and Benny and Churchy, they'd say the same thing that uh, you know him and Niter do a lot for them, and they do a lot for our offense, and it's you know it makes uh, our lives as a left side a lot easier. 
Speaking with Mark Mather, what did you think about that? I know uh, the news on Corbeil kind of came down right at the end of shoot-around, and then it was like, okay, what are we going to do? And they decided that Curtis Knight, uh, your longtime partner up on offense, was going to go back and play some D. Have you seen Knighter do that before? He looked pretty comfortable back there. Uh, yeah, Knighter's played uh, Knighter plays D a lot in the summer with uh, with a bunch of guys that are actually on a rush team there in the Redmond and and he's done. He, I, I'm pretty sure he might have played a lot of D our first year. We were rookies together, and you know he just has. Uh, he's such a versatile player that he can. You know he's on most of our faceoff teams, and yeah. you know when he gets stuck back there on D, he's now obviously not the biggest guy, but he uh, he knows the system and and plays it well. And you know, like I said, he does a lot of things other than uh, you know scoring goals that uh, make a big asset for our team. Mark, who's the hardest goaltender in the National Cross League to score on? Well, for me, yeah, yeah, for you. Um, I have, I have a, I have a tough time uh, scoring on Pooley. To be honest, he uh, early in my career, I kind of had his number when we when he played for Calgary. But the last uh, last little while, it's he's kind of had my number, and you know, uh, I don't know. It's it it can change every night. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, you know what? Penny's been pretty uh, pretty solid against uh you know us in general and, and myself uh well, whenever you, you he had came a, in you had a few, right you had a few uh yeah. on saturday night yeah i probably had 20 shots <laughs> <laughs> I, I i i didn't look that uh i didn't look that set up so we don't have to worry about that uh one one was a breakaway so <laughs> yeah yeah um <laughs> i know you look you're you like to stick the softball into your stick. Uh, I don't know if you do that like between shifts or just between periods or when you're traveling around. Um, for the kids out there in Rush Nation that that want to grow up and, and play like Mark Matthews and be like Mark Matthews, you got a real wide head on your stick. Um, but let the fans know like what kind of shaft you're using, head, soft mesh, hard mesh, how many shooters. Uh, what's the setup for the mailman? Um, I use... Uh, obviously warrior everything uh use a burn head that i kind of pinch and construct into my own looking stick i guess you could say uh i like them really wide um dating back i guess to my college days when you had to use those big wide things for uh for the college rules but um i feel like it just gives me uh you know it gets out of my stick faster you know there's no uh lag in the in the mesh or anything i use soft mesh three shooters and a, and a nylon on the top, not a very big pocket. Um, you know, my, you know, you kind of from a field game and even my first year in the league, I kind of a bigger pocket and, and was more generated to shooting. But, you know, like you said, I you know the assist thing kind of, you know, getting the ball out of there faster and getting the ball. Like I said, our offense is, you know, so generated around moving the ball that you, know, you can't really uh, have a big bag in your stick and bury the ball in anybody's stick or we're kind of, in trouble, so um, so, so that yeah, might have had a little change to your to your game there. Changing up your pocket might have changed you as a player a little bit. Uh, yeah, I would I would say. I mean, when I played junior, I you know Churchy and Benny always chirped me all the time how stupid my stick is compared <laughs> to what it was uh, in junior. But um, you know, in junior, you kind of you have a little bit of a system, and you know, when you're when you're twenty and eight, nineteen years old, you you always want to score, and you know, the assists are kind of you know, cool, I guess, if somebody else scores, but, you know, the ego thing. and you Not, know, a, not according to Curtis Dixon, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he's a special, uh, he's an exception with that thing. He uh, he can do just about anything he wants with that. Uh, yeah, no, I was kind of uh, referring to his... he's got. I, no, he goes, he goes with a sock, for sure, but I was kind of referring to his his tweet to Kevin Crowley a year ago when, when, when the cat had a bunch of, bunch of goals but barely any assists, and he said, oh, assists are for losers anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, when you when you get fifty every year, I mean, right? What's the difference? <laughs> yeah. Well, you had fifty one year. You had fifty. Uh, yeah. I think you could. You you might be able to get her again if you if you pick it up here in the back half. Um, coming up in the Oshawa area, you, you I mean, you come through the Whippy program. Uh, you've spent a little time playing for the Redmen as well. Um, you know, a lot of great players came through there. Mark, uh, is there a, a guy or two that uh, you looked up to while you were growing up? Yeah, I mean, when I was younger, playing in the Whippy system, and um, I was always, uh, when I don't know, 10, 11, 12, uh, I was like the ball boy for the Warriors and stuff, so I was around, uh, you know, the, the Greer's age group, 
Zach's age group, the the eighty sixes or eighty fives, whatever they are, that were you know a few years older than me. So I kind of you know watched Zach and Kyle O'Brien and, and those guys play as lefties and kind of you know just mimic their games and was able to try to you know incorporate anything I could of my own into there. But you know obviously watching them and you know I'm almost getting an opportunity to play with them my first year of junior there last year would have been great, but. Uh, you know, moving forward, you know, having played with Zach was uh, was great as well. Speaking with Mark Matthews here of the Saskatchewan Rush on Daytona Homes Rush Hour, um, another place that you spent a little time playing was in Langley for the Langley Thunder, but that happens to also be the site of the upcoming World Indoor Lacrosse Championships, which I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and be pretty confident that you're going to make that team, Mark Matthews. Um what are you What are you most excited for uh, leading up to the Worlds? Uh, I mean, hopefully, getting uh, my name called would be a start. But um, you know, going back, if I can get there to get back to to Langley, it was. Uh, I mean, I lived there for you know just over a month there with with a bunch of guys, and you know, it was uh, we had a lot of fun, and you know, it's a great. Uh, anytime you can be in Vancouver and at all is uh, is a plus, and you know, to spend you know, whatever those tournaments are, 15 or 12 or 15 days or whatever they are um, out there on the West Coast is uh, is pretty awesome. And, you know, hopefully I can get back there again for uh, for another summer. Do they have a, do they have a plan on when they're going to be announcing the roster? Or how does the process even work? Like, I mean, do, I don't know if the, you can't really do a tryout during NLL season or, or summer. I, I don't know. Like, well, you tell me, you tell me, how's it, how's it uh, work? As far as I know, it's, I mean, I was talking to uh, Eddie and uh, Chai, Sean Ferris, last time we were in uh, in Georgia there about the whole process, and I think that they were. I don't even know if they've they've named a if they've named a coach yet. So um, after after the uh, oh, am I getting pulled over? I hope that's after not for the, you. Uh, <laughs> no, there's an accident in front of me. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, no, I think I think once the uh, the coach gets. Uh, gets you know announced I think they will uh, they've said that they're they'll probably put out like a 35 man roster and then I mean I guess whoever the coaches are will want uh, you know the guys that they want there and you know just hopefully uh, they choose me yeah well I, I like I said I'm pretty I'm pretty confident uh, Mark Matthews makes Team Canada um, but I, I I would think for some guys like how this NLL season would go is going to determine whether they get the call for that 35 man invite. Yeah. I'm, uh, I would assume that uh, it has a lot to do with it. I mean, uh, that last team we had, I think we, well, we were talking about it a little while ago with, uh, with like Corbs and stuff in our team that, you know, who will be there and, you know, who wouldn't be, who's kind of had their last, yeah. you know, their last run at it. Who's a little older now. And, you know, maybe they'll go, you know, with younger guys, I mean, I'm sure it's it's hard for, you know, some guys that are, you know, thir- in their, you know, 30s. Yeah, like a Dan Dawson. Or, time. Yeah, no, I hear Yeah, that. the Dawsons and stuff like that to just, you know, get away from their families to go to the West, you know, for 12 or 15 days or whatever the case is. And, um, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, we can, you know, put the same team back together. But, you know, at the end of the day, they'll, uh, they'll figure that out and, and kind of go with uh, you know who they want and, and who can uh, who's available. A couple of more minutes here on Rush Hour with Mark Matthews. Uh, appreciate your time, Marco. Uh, I know you got a kind of a budding real estate career uh, that you that you do when you're you're not busy playing lacrosse. Uh, tell me about that. Have you had some success? Uh, what do you sell? Are you selling residential, commercial? What do you got going on over there? Yeah, I'm uh, working with. Uh a local brokerage, Coldwell Banker, RMR, and Oshawa. Uh, generally, residential, resale stuff. Um, nothing crazy so far. It's kind of hard when you're leaving every weekend and playing all over the country and, you know, not putting the time in that a lot of, uh, you know, even people in my office or full-time realtors do. It's something that, uh, it's a nice fallback plan and, and kind of, you know, just hoping to get, as many clients here and there as I can and, you know, move on from there. I've had some success so far with uh, a few sells, uh, a few buyer clients that have, uh, that have used me. So 
know, just, uh, you know, open for referrals from them and, and see how it goes. Yeah, that's really how it works in the real estate game is, is referrals. Uh, you'd get mine, Mark Matthews, if I somebody asked me. I'm steering him your way, man. Um, Thank you. Yeah, no problem. So when you're not uh, selling real estate, you're not playing lacrosse, traveling around the country, what uh, what does Mark Matthews kind of like to do to relax or have some fun or do away from the game of lacrosse? Uh, any chance I can to, to get away from the game is kind of what I do. It's, I mean, I don't uh, generally, you know, push myself lacrosse-wise when we're not playing. Uh, I like to golf a lot. Uh, fish as much as humanly possible, whether it's ice fishing or, uh, you know, oh. fishing in the summer. Okay. A few buddies have boats and, you know, did some, uh, did a bunch of bass tournaments last summer. Oh. So it was a uh, new experience there. I've been, uh, I actually won a tournament last year with a buddy of mine from high school. So we, uh, cool. did the ball in that one and, you know, won a, won a bunch of money there and won some money, uh, with, uh, actually with Ryan Keenan. Derek gave us his boat for, uh, the day and we did a tournament a local tournament around us and we were able to take him out of there with uh five or six hundred bucks between the two of us. <laughs> that makes for a good day out on the boat yeah. fishing and winning money uh i don't know if it gets any better than that dude no it doesn't Hey, uh, Mark, I'll let you get back to focusing on driving. I'm sure the roads are horrific there in Toronto. Uh, I know it's not going to be any warmer for you uh, when we see each other again on Friday in, in Saskatoon, but uh, I look forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. No problem. All right, good luck against the Mammoth, and uh, we'll see you this weekend. Thank you. See you later. All right. Mark Matthews of your Saskatchewan Rush. He leads the rush in scoring once again as we mark the halfway point of the year with 47 points. Uh, one more game to go, and he's going to get over 50, and that means he's on pace for another 100 points. Uh, quick break here on Rush Hour, and we're back on the other side with the captain of the Saskatchewan Rush, Chris Corbeil, will join us uh, when we return to Daytona Homes Rush Hour. All right, welcome back to the Rush Hour, presented by Daytona Homes. Uh, big thanks to mailman Mark Matthews for joining us. And now a big thanks to our next guest to join us on Rush Hour. It's the captain of the Saskatchewan Rush. He did not play a week ago. Uh, I don't think it's anything too serious as we welcome Chris Corbeil onto the podcast. Corbs, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, Jumbo. Good, good. Uh, thanks for thanks for doing this. I know you just kind of got off of work. Maybe why don't we start there? Where uh, what do you do for a living outside of lacrosse? Uh, I uh, I work at a hedge fund in Toronto. Uh, I'm a controller, which is uh, you know kind of a I guess a fancy word for a type of accountant there. And um, my my boss, luckily, is a big lacrosse fan and uh, lets me travel all the time. When it when it gets to Friday afternoons and I gotta head out for the weekend, so uh, I'm pretty fortunate that I have a flexible working situation. But yeah, uh, it'll be a, yeah, it'll be a Thursday. Uh, can I can I take two days off this week, boss? I guess. Yeah, exactly. So I gotta be and and with Monday being the holiday, it's a real, real short <laughs> week for me. <laughs> not not yeah. a whole lot getting yeah. done. You might as well just came down with a cold or something for a couple of days and uh, yeah, that's, taking yeah, a week two off. And a half Two and a half day work week. It's, uh, it's a real so grind being the the pro lacrosse player. No doubt, no doubt. I know we're uh, down in San Diego in, in about uh, a month's time. Uh, I kind of heard you and a couple of boys chatting that uh, you, you thinking about maybe staying a day or two afterwards uh, for that weekend down in San Diego. Oh yeah, I'm I'm locked in already. I already I already talked to Myrna, who's in charge of all our logistics, and she's. Uh, She's got me on a flight coming home Monday, so after we play on Friday night, uh, I'll be sticking around Saturday, Sunday. My wife's coming down for that that weekend too, so uh, neither of us have spent any time in San Diego. But talking to some of the other guys in the league, they're saying it's it's awesome down there, and that uh, you know weather's been great, and it's it's a good time. So I know we're looking forward to and, it. And between Saskatoon and, and Ontario right now, I suppose you could use a little bit of sun. Yeah, no kidding. But I was I was saying to guys, this the 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 West Division is phenomenal for road trips now. Like we obviously being based out of Saskatoon, we love it because we get the home fans and it's 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 a ton of fun being uh, 
a mini celebrity in the city. But then we hit the road and it's like downtown Denver, downtown Vancouver now, Calgary, San Diego. Those are those are some pretty fun <laughs> yeah. destinations. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, I haven't been down to San Diego since like the mid 90s or something like that. So uh, I might have to get Myrna on the email as well and just uh, see if there's any extra seats on the plane for that. Uh, yeah, that yeah you don't. You'll you'll probably want you won't want to stay at like the hotel like the Mary guys. You'll want to hang out with the mailman who you're talking to earlier. I'm sure. <laughs> no, no, I'm a taken man. I'm a taken man. So uh, <laughs> I mean, she's going to listen to this. So we can't uh, we can't go there. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so let's let's go back. I guess a week. We don't want to go too far back because uh, we've kind of turned the page. On the three-game losing streak, we're back on the winning track here. Um, unfortunately, you did not get to go in that game, and, I, and like I said, I don't think it's anything too serious. I hope you're back in there Friday night. But for for a guy that's usually on the floor, you had a kind of a chance and, and something you don't really get a chance to do a lot of because you're always playing. But uh, what did you what did you see from the press box? Uh, the boys kind of turned it around on Saturday night. Oh, saw lots. Yeah, it was a cool opportunity for me to kind of work on uh, the start of my coaching career and sitting up in the press box and and watching from sort of the overhead seats. It was interesting to see the play from different perspective. Like you said, you're usually down there either on the floor or watching from the bench, but you're able to capture a little bit more when you're you're sitting up top and watch everything unfold. So, uh, you know what, I, I I saw a lot that I liked on offense. Uh, defensively we we still have some struggles and it's it's just with consistency because there have been uh moments all throughout our season uh throughout the the ups and downs as 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 there was last weekend with uh you know moments where we're playing very good and and moments where we're we're just getting away from our system and getting away from our principles and and not doing what we need to do so uh, fortunately for us, we did enough of the good stuff that we, we held Vancouver to 13 and with our offense putting in 15, it was 13 was good enough. But I think, you know, as we look to sort of build, uh, and improve as the season goes on and, 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 you know, head into the sort of the, the latter half of the season, we, we're going to have to get those numbers down, those goals against, and it's, it's going to be a matter of playing a little a lot more consistent on that back end. Yeah, and without maybe giving away the the game plan or the strategies uh, that you guys want to implement on defense, Chris, like you mentioned consistency. For fans that might not quite understand what what it means to be consistent on defense, like what kind of things are you talking about? Knowing where to slide, when to slide, uh, communicating on defense, talking through pick and rolls, or, or taking topside away. Well, like, what kind of things do you see the team being inconsistent at, and what kind of things do you want to be more consistent at? Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's when you when you really pin it down like the defensive strategy is not all that complicated but the offenses you play against are obviously pretty smart and they watch tape and they strategize and they try and put you into positions where uh you know obviously it's it's not it's not obvious who should be doing what right so it's sort of those those moments where guys are unsure and we're a little hesitant or and guys just make the wrong choice so there's not enough communication so when I'm looking, when I'm talking about consistency, it's it's one is consistent ball pressure. Uh, you know the the type of defensive scheme that that we sort of self-identify as is, is pressure defense, and we are not getting enough pressure as it stands right now. Now again, there's moments where we're doing a great job of that, but throughout the course of the other team's possessions, we should constantly be out on their hands if they're you know within a certain range of our net. And right now we're just playing a little more apprehensive than we need to. So there's that consistency with pressuring. And then, you know, when you go through the pressuring and, and that often leads to double teams and stuff like that, you mentioned it, there's, there's the element of the slide and um, you know, guys, it, it's not easy, right? Playing at playing a position where you're a guy that has to slide because you have a dual responsibility. You obviously have the guy that you're covering on the floor, but you also have the responsibility of the man you're sliding to. So you have to sort of identify firstly that you are the slide guy. Second, you know who the guy you're potentially sliding to is, and then third, whether you should go or not. So it's it's that sort of sequence that uh, we've we've maybe not been. Uh, 
not been great at so far this year and uh, we we need to continue to work and improve on yeah well we gotta we got a half a season to do that as we speak with with chris corbeil here and i know it's it's jammer system and i know you know it's a lot of the same pieces back there obviously jimmy quinlan not not behind the bench and it's jeremy Talevi, and it's a new voice back there i've i've seen you be quite vocal during practice and shoot around kind of putting guys in the right places and stuff as well but you know, is it is it maybe a little question of having a new voice on the defensive bench there, and then you 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 lose guys like Soriketti and, and Jeff Cornwall and Ryan Dilks, and you don't want to use that as a crutch, Chris. But those are three premier defenders that you take out of your lineup, and there's an adjustment period to kind of dial things back in with some new personnel in there. Yeah, I I think it's just the fact that we don't have the continuity that we've had in in so many past seasons, uh, rolling from 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 the season before. And you mentioned it. We got we got three guys that have been part of the program, um, you know, at least for the last handful of years, and guys that logged big minutes and played big roles for us defensively. Right? These aren't these aren't like you know depth guys. You know, Ryan Dilks was Defender of the Year only a few seasons ago. Uh, Cornwall, an elite defender in this league, and a guy like Adrian Sorotichetti, who, you know, probably never got the recognition he deserved, but a guy I played with and loved playing with, and always praised because he did such a great job. And who, you know, we're we're definitely missing this season. Um, and then you mentioned it too, like you you lose a guy like Jimmy Quinlan, who's just familiar with this group, and it, it becomes difficult. Now, with that being said. Jeremy Talevi's done an awesome job stepping in. Uh, you know, he's a guy that that knows the system very well and is as gr- is great at addressing the guys and dealing with stuff. But, you know, he's he's dealing with guys that haven't played in this system and aren't familiar with it. And and listen, it's it's we're we're going against the best players in the world, and it was challenging for the group we had last season. Like we won a championship, but I mean, it came down to the final game and the final quarter, and you know, that was with a group that for the most part had been playing together for years. So yeah. we're trying to do that and, and replicate that with a group of guys that has nowhere close to that chemistry. Right. So it's, it's, it's about, you know, working together and, and, and just working through stuff and constant communication. And that's one thing Talavi preaches a ton of is, is communicating, communicating, because it's, it's just going to take experience and getting familiar with one another and you know what we're going through some growing pains but i still have faith that this is this is a group that we're going to be able to win a championship with and uh that will continue to get better and hopefully by the time playoffs roll around we're we're really finding our stride speaking with the captain of the saskatchewan rush chris corbeal and uh you've been around this franchise for a while now chris so what does it mean to you to to wear the c for this franchise Oh, well, it's, it's, it's such an honor because man, well, firstly, the success this, this franchise has had, I mean, um, obviously, you know, playing in the last four championships, winning three of the last four, uh, to be the captain of that group. Sometimes I, I step back and I, I'm, I'm still amazed at how fortunate I am to have sort of fallen into that position and, 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 you know, be the, the leader of this group. But, I mean, on top of that, you just look at the talent we have and some of the guys that, you know, I'm sure when I'm old and looking back at my career, I can say I played with, it's, it's pretty incredible. And to play with the Mark Matthews and the Ben McIntoshes and the Kyle Rubishes, and it's, uh, it's, it's pretty phenomenal. And, you know, we're, uh, we're, we're a group that likes to have a lot of fun and, and that's the best part about it too, is, is, you know, it's always been a great time playing for the rush and uh you know that's that's mainly due to the collection of guys that that Derek has assembled and that's been since day one he, he doesn't just bring in great lacrosse players he brings in great people and great leaders and uh there's a ton of there's a ton of leaders on the team at any point any guy can step up and and say something and take over the room so it makes my job easy because I'm not always being relied on to do that stuff but uh it's uh, it's it's amazing, not just because of the success we've had on the floor, but just because of the quality of people that that are in that room. Yeah, well, I I know you know since I started hanging around the team, uh, you know, starting with yourself and Rubes and the leadership group there, we're kind of the first guys to 
kind of come up and say hi and welcome and uh you couldn't you couldn't have made me feel any more comfortable around you guys and it, it didn't take me kind of long to see why uh you guys have been in the last four championships uh with the kind of group that you got around out of out of those you know three out of the four there chris is it 2015 that's kind of the most specialty i know that one took place in edmonton but it, you know with everything that was surrounding Derek and and the team that one had a lot of emotion attached to it it's it's so tough to say you know which one you prefer to it's like 1a 1b 1c really um but but i think you're spot on it's and it was that one for a variety of reasons um but I, I think first and foremost was was what had gone on with you know in in Derek's personal life and and something that had affected our whole family and you're there you're you're on the floor for shoot arounds and in the dressing room before before practices and stuff like that and the one thing we we preach a ton of is family and brotherhood and that kind of stuff and you know Derek is is like a second father to me and 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 like a father to a lot of guys on our team and. Um, you know, he was going through that and, uh, you know, with the loss of Wendy and it was something that not, he was just, not only he was going through, but the whole team was going through and we were all there with him every step of the way. And it was, it was tough. And then, so for us to be able to do it in 2015 was, uh, was something that was pretty special. And, um, you know, it was, uh, it was amazing that we were able to dedicate that one to Wendy. Absolutely. Uh, I don't know who's updating your Wikipedia page, but it kind of stops at 2017. So uh, you might want to get whoever's in charge of that to, to update <laughs> the last couple of years as we speak with Chris Corbeil. Right, I'll uh, call Rubish right now. There, <laughs> who is at I Love Lucy's, by the way, on Twitter, uh, who also doesn't <clears throat> follow me on Twitter, but uh, maybe we can change that after this podcast. <laughs> as I pander on, on a live podcast here uh, as we speak with Chris Corbeil. Coming up this Friday night, uh, Colorado Mammoth, it is uh, Agriculture Appreciation Night. Uh, I don't know if you've scanned by the website lately, Chris, but they got your your number, your jersey up there on the website with the jerseys you guys are going to wear on Friday. Have you seen these things yet? No, I haven't. Oh, this man. is the you, first I'm hearing you, of this. you got to go check it out. They are absolutely spectacular. they got a tractor on the front of the oh, man. Oh, I like this. Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. Trying Look, to pull it up no, on no, my do, phone yeah, very quickly do it, here. Do it. We'll uh we'll yeah. we'll chat away while you do that because I was like <laughs> I saw him post it up on Instagram and I was like, can we just like wear these every game? Because uh having a tractor on the front of your jersey I think is just the, the coolest thing ever. So uh, and could not be more appropriate. No, uh, for and you know like from Saskatchewan. Yeah, to honor uh to honor farmers, um, you know, which is kind of the heartland and the backbone of, of the prairies in that province i think is just a phenomenal idea and uh you know there's going to be a real kind of a blue collar feel inside sas tell center this friday night i would think oh that's going to be exciting I'm, I'm on the website here and the top of it I, I, i'm on my phone so i think i got yeah. like a mobile version because i can't see it but um man that's uh it's it's cool and i, th- I think that kind of embodies the the average fan that's at one of our games is, is pretty blue collar. And uh, as a defensive guy that maybe doesn't have the softest hands in the league, I like to, uh, I like to think I bring a bit of a blue collar sure. uh, mentality or personality to my lacrosse game, as I think probably most of the, uh, the defenders on our team would, would do. So yeah, it'll be, uh, that'll be really cool. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, speaking with Chris Corbeil, I kind of asked Mark this and, and we'll backtrack a little bit because it's something that hasn't happened with this team since 2013. And that's losing three games in a row. I know we're back on the winning track now, but I kind of asked Mark, I'm like, was that really kind of like the worst thing that could happen to you guys? Because it's something you guys haven't really had to deal with a whole lot is adversity. And sometimes a little adversity can be a good thing for your team. And, and, you know, listening to you and, and chats and Derek kind of comment after the Calgary game, it was like, you know what, like shame on us for being so good for so long, but there's no panic in the room. And, and this is still a championship quality roster. Do you think it, it wasn't the worst thing in the world to go through something like that? No, and I again, you as you just said, you heard my comments after Calgary. I, I think it's a great opportunity for us and a great challenge for us to overcome. Um, and it's a new test for our group. Uh, and that's basically what the me- the message I said was: is 
you know, this is, we, we've, we've accomplished a lot together and now I'm excited for this is, this is sort of a new, uh, wrinkle for us. So let's show the type of character we have in this room, the type of guys we have, all that stuff. I was just mentioning about what a good group of people we have together and, um, do something here and, and, and show that, you know, a, a little three game skid isn't gonna, isn't gonna ruin us and that we're able to handle the loss of a, a few key personnel on the back end and, and a new coach and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's like I said, I look at it as a great opportunity to, to show some people what this team is about. And uh, on top of that, I think we picked a great year to do it because you know what? Four out of five make the playoffs now. Um, <laughs> and it's just the, a log jam in the West right now. Yeah. The West is, let's be honest, they're struggling for the most part. I mean, first place is a 500 record, which I think we're tied with right now. So if ever there was a little time to have a bit of a dip, it's uh early in the 2019 season and you know there's no there's no first round buy for the top seed in the west this season so you know what it's it's good timing anyways if you if you ask me so yeah, and, uh, it's certainly not the worst thing yeah and with with that said kind of talking with guys after the Vancouver game it was kind of like all right it, it it's time to get on a run now and start to to play some rush lacrosse and in the next you know 3 4 weeks coming up here you got Colorado this weekend, and then and then Calgary right after that. So look for a little redemption there, and then a nice bye week. And I think that bye comes at a perfect time of the year, really, uh, which sets you up for a big matchup with Buffalo coming in, which is you know they're playing great lacrosse. So this kind of next three four weeks is is going to be a real important time for you guys this season. Yeah, you you nailed it. I mean, two huge divisional games um, that we're we're approaching as must wins now because we've. We've had this sort of mediocre start, and it's it's time to really ramp things up. And 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 like enough of the excuses about new guys and and getting our defense settled. Like it's time to really bear down and 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 start putting some complete games together. So we look to start doing that against Colorado, and hopefully follow it up with a good one against Calgary. And then, uh, yeah, we've definitely got that Buffalo date circled on our calendars as well because they're. Uh, they're sort of the class of the NLL right now, either them or Toronto. But, uh, you know, you look at the firepower they've got on offense, that's going to be a huge test for us. Uh, and again, I just told you, I'm looking forward to these these new challenges that we're going to be facing and overcoming. So it should be great. Yeah, me and you both, man. Uh, hey, listen, uh, you might have to drop the podcast off to your boss so he can so he can hear you sing his praises when he asks for Thursday and Friday off uh, this <laughs> exactly. week. Yeah, and uh, I'll look forward to seeing you with uh, with a tractor on your chest uh, come Friday night in Colorado. Yeah, I can't wait to see these things. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's going to be great. Out. All right, well, thanks for joining us here on the Rush Hour podcast chris corbello oh, it was we'll... my pleasure thanks a lot for having me jumbo all right we'll see you this weekend yep see ya take care that was chris corbello the captain of the saskatchewan rush he wears number 16 and his jersey his game worn jersey will be given out to a hard-working farmer on friday night can't wait for that uh quick break and we'll wrap up episode two here of rush hour presented by daytona home stick around All right, lacrosse fans, Rush Nation, welcome back to Daytona Homes Rush Hour. Uh, thanks to Mark Matthews and Chris Corbeil. We're stopping by the podcast this month here on Rush Hour. Uh, big thanks to all our sponsors as well. We'll get to those in a little bit. Uh, but let's get back to what's ahead here for Saskatchewan. Coming up this Friday, February the 22nd, it's the only Friday night game Home game, that is, for the rush this season. So make sure you are aware of that. Uh, don't be a day late or anything. It's Friday night game this Friday at Sastel Center, and it's AG Appreciation Night. Uh, a shout-out, if you will, to the agriculture industry. Uh, I'm just going to read this right off the website, but I fully encourage you to go check out the website at saskrush.com because everything is there, including an unbelievable picture of the jerseys the Rush will be wearing this Friday night, and they are something to behold, I must say, spectacular. I don't think I've ever seen a tractor on a jersey before, and you're about to this Friday. So here we go. This is right off the Saskatchewan Rush website. No one is tougher than a farmer from Saskatchewan. 
This Friday, The Rush will be showing appreciation for our farmers and those who work in the agriculture industry across the province. Friday's game is officially branded as Agricultural Agricultural Appreciation Night, presented by Finning. The Rush will be facing off against the Colorado Mammoth on Co-op Field at Sastel Center. We know that much. The team will be wearing special edition Heart Saskatchewan Farmers jerseys featuring the Saskatchewan flag, a Rush-branded tractor, Wheat Patterns and Rush Partners, Wheaton GM, TD, and Finning. These game-worn jerseys will be distributed to some of the hardest-working farmers in Saskatchewan. We encourage Rush Nation, that's you people, to nominate the hardest-working farmer they know with a link there to click on to nominate the hardest-working farmer you know. So do that uh, at sasrush.com. Also, the playing surface will be a Heart Saskatchewan Farmers Dasher Board. Up in the stands, the first 8,000 people in attendance will receive a Heart Saskatchewan Farmers button. Tickets are still available for Agricultural Appreciation Night. Uh, also a link there to click for tickets. Doors open at 6 p.m. Ball. I'm not going to say it because they have ball drop. It's actually a face-off. You don't drop the ball in, in, in the sport of lacrosse. So I'm going to have to have a word with somebody about the wording of this promo. Uh, face-off is slated for 7.30 at halftime. Fan favorite, Dueling Piano. So Burn and Mon will be performing. So we'll look forward to that. Uh, 7.30 face-off. Doors open at 6. All sponsored by Finning. Wicked Jerseys. Uh, go to the website, bid on them, uh, bid on, nominate your farmer, your favorite farmer, I should say, and uh, who knows, they may they may win one right off a of rush player's back. So they take on the Mammoth uh, Friday night, and the Mammoth are coming off a victory. They are now 3-5. and five. The Rush are 4-4, four and four. so just a, a game separating these two, a big one. The first of three meetings against the Mammoth, and uh, the Rush have had good success against the Woolies the last couple of years. They've all been kind of tight games, but uh, the Rush have come out on the better side, and I, and I really kind of get the feeling after talking with some of the boys um, after that Vancouver game, like the message is kind of like, all right, it's, it's enough's enough. It's time to get on a roll here. And we'll see if uh, they can do that. Make it two in a row on Friday against the Mammoth. And then a week from Saturday, March the 2nd, uh, will be the second matchup of the Battle of the Prairie. So two straight games against the Roughnecks on their home floor. Uh, As a look for a little redemption against the Riggers on... March the 2nd, that's a Saturday night. It's Telemiracle Night uh, presented by Next Gen Energy uh, will be kind of the next big thing after uh, Agricultural Night. So uh, I think this is really kind of forward. to. I don't know if any other professional franchise has ever done this before. Uh, never mind putting a tractor on your jersey, but just uh, recognizing the, the farmers and the agricultural industry, I think, is just a brilliant idea by The Rush and... Um, I've never met a farmer I didn't like, so they're good people. They're kind of the backbone of our country across uh, the prairies, and uh, they deserve some recognition. The Rush are going to do that. And then uh, Telemiracle Night, uh, presented by Next Gen Energy on March the 2nd against the Roughnecks. Then the Rush will have their first bye, uh, which I think is going to come right at a good time for them, kind of right smack middle of the season. They'll get a bye before uh, – this is the start of a three-game homestand as well here for Saskatchewan. So they get a bye, and then they'll take on the Buffalo Bandits, who are maybe playing the best lacrosse in the National Lacrosse League next to the Toronto Rock. Um, so that is going to be a heck of a game to circle on your calendars as well. Saskatchewan and the Bandits on March 16th before uh, they head down to San Diego for the first time. I might uh, – try and poke the boss a little bit to try and get on that trip down to San Diego and maybe ride shotgun with Dave Thomas on radio side. Uh, I've never been down to Pechanga Arena. I got some friends uh, back from school down in San Diego as well and would really like to check out the experience in Seals country. So uh, maybe we can turn that into a working trip and uh, make that happen. So your next kind of four games coming up here. Colorado Friday night, and then a week from Saturday, it's the Roughnecks, another home, or then a bye week, and then another home game 
against the Buffalo Bandits on the 16th, and then uh, back out onto the road to take on San Diego. Um, so that's kind of what's on the horizon here for Saskatchewan. And I think that's pretty much going to wrap it up here for episode two of Rusher. If you want to hear more of this uh podcast if you want to hear it twice a month or even once a week uh, let me know let uh, let the rush know follow along on all their social media channels at sask rush uh, you can find them on twitter you can find me on twitter at pxp the number four sports and uh, get at me let me know if you're enjoying it you want to hear more you want to you want to hear less you want me just to go away and stop talking <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. Let me know. Uh, also, download that app uh, for the Saskatchewan Rush as well, and that way Rush Hour gets delivered right to, right to your phone, and you don't have to worry about it. Uh, so that's it. Um, thanks for joining us here on Episode 2, Lacrosse Fans, Rush Nation. For the fastest game on two feet and for the greater, I've been Jake Elliott. Thanks for listening to Daytona Homes, Rush Hour.